going down 49er faithful this is the forever faithful podcast episode three i'm jd joined as always by my guys 49er tone and frisco this is the forever faithful podcast episode three we're doing this for the faithful and as always it's by the faithful we wanted to come on here this week and talk about a few things that have been happening in the world of the san francisco 49ers Most importantly, and most recently, the NFL Draft. Those who know me know that the NFL Draft is like Christmas for me. I mean, I I love the NFL Draft. I spent the last few days doing nothing but sit in front of my TV, eat food, and just watch every single pick of the entire draft because really I'm a nerd and it's – I have issues. Let's, let's Let's be honest. I have issues. I love the NFL Draft. I mean, what time? What what other time of year does your football team add more talent to its roster than the NFL draft? If you're a fan of football, and you know you cannot not like the NFL draft. I just I don't see how you can't be a fan of the NFL draft because it, you know it's 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 the way your team is built. I mean, if you care about your team, you have to love the NFL draft. Uh, with that said. The Niners had what I would consider, and I I think others others might feel the same way, the Niners kind of had, you know, a lackluster draft. Coming off last year, when they had so many picks that filled so many needs and, and, you know, were were guys that that fans knew about and, and that, you know, ultimately contributed to this roster, you know, coming coming off that draft, we had kind of high expectations. Of John Lynch and company heading into this draft, we kind of expected the same kind of thing. Like you know, hey, this team's gonna you know ace another draft. You know, it's just it's that simple, right? Well, look, obviously these guys haven't played it down yet in the NFL, but this year's draft was just kind of meh. I'm, if I'm being honest, it was just kind of you know mediocre. But we'll see. I could be completely wrong. But just coming off last year, I feel like this year was a little bit of a letdown, especially with, with the buildup of this NFL draft overall. That you know They're talking about this is like the greatest NFL draft in history, and it's just so, such a deep draft at so many different positions. And you know, entering this draft, we, we had needs on this team. Cornerback, edge rusher, uh, offensive, you know, you know, potentially guard. 
uh, you know, the secondary linebacker. I mean, we, we had needs in this draft and the kind of the way they went about it. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but with that, I'm going to give you guys a rundown of the guys that we selected in this year's NFL draft just real quick. And then uh, the guys and myself will each kind of let you know about the picks that we did like. And uh, we'll also get into, you know, some of the bad, some of the things that we didn't like so much about this year's NFL draft for your San Francisco 49ers. Uh, in the first round, pick number nine overall, we selected Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. In round two, number 44 overall, we selected wide receiver Dante Pettis out of Washington. Round three, pick number 70 overall, the San Francisco 49ers selected Fred Warner, outside linebacker from BYU. In round three as well, we selected uh, Tavarius Moore, a safety out of Southern Miss with the 95th overall pick. Round four, the Niners selected Contavious Street, defensive end from NC State with the 128th overall selection. Round five, pick number 142 overall. The Niners selected DJ Reed, cornerback out of Kansas State. Round six, Marcel Harris, a safety out of Florida, was selected with the 184th pick overall. Round seven, the Niners had two picks as well. And uh, with the 223rd pick, they selected Julian Taylor, a defensive tackle out of Temple. And round seven as well, our second pick in that round, number 240 overall, they selected wide receiver. Richie James out of Middle Tennessee State. With that, I'm going to throw it to Niner Tone to lead us off here with uh, with with the guys that he liked that we selected in this year's NFL draft. Tone, what's up, brother? Uh, you know, let us know what you thought. I uh, hope you enjoyed the draft, man. What's going on, brother? Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the draft. Um, it, it definitely was a little bit of a letdown. Um, especially compared to uh, John Lynch's and Cal Shanahan's first draft last year. Um, you know, it seemed like this draft was definitely more into um, taking projections and, and, and finding certain players to fit a specific scheme instead of just taking the best player available. Um, so with that, it kind of seems like it was a little of a letdown, but I, I think there's a lot of potential here. And, and I and I do like the philosophy that the 49ers are going with. So, but, uh, you know, I did enjoy the draft. Uh, you know, my two picks will be the first two picks of those 49ers. Uh, you know, McGlinchey out of Notre Dame, uh, I, it fit a need on the offensive line, even though we have Brown and we, had, we have Staley, and plus uh, Staley got a raise recently. Um, but the 49ers had a plan, you know, especially with the trade to uh, New England. It uh, seemed like it was kind of a, hey, you know, thanks for Jimmy G, here here you go. But, um, you know, th this guy, he's 6'8", 304 pounds. Um, you know, he's a guy that I, I didn't watch a lot of Notre Dame football, but the highlights I've seen, he is a guy that definitely can maul. Um, you know, we'll see if the, the pass protection gets a little bit better. But, you know, for, for a guy who's 6'8", and, and as strong as he is, I think it was a really good pick, a lot of potential. Um, fits, the, fits the Shanahan uh, offense maybe a little bit better than uh, Trent Brown does. Um, you know, 304 pounds, he might need to maybe get a little bit more weight uh, just for the NFL, but 
not too much because, you know, Shanahan's offensive lines got to be mobile. They got to be able to move uh, very quickly. Um, and also, the, in the second round, when we got Dante Pettis out of Washington, man, I, I was very excited. I know we moved up. We traded with Washington. Uh, I mean, this guy, you know, you got Trent Taylor, uh, and now you got Pettis here. You know, who's going to do the punt returns? I mean, this guy had a nine punt return touchdowns, you know, in college. So th this guy is a could be a playmaker. He has the speed. Um, you know, but it is interesting, though, because we always talked about having big body wide receivers for Jimmy G, especially in the red zone. But we're, we're getting these, you know, 190 pound, you know, shorter receivers, speedsters. Um, and, and that's fine. But I, I still wanted a big body. But, you know, getting a guy like Pettis, who is that who is fast, who, who you know, can compete with Taylor. Uh, uh, also good win in, in the speed column, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I, I kind of understand, you know, speed does kill. So maybe we can get a big body later on, but you know, for right now, I do like the philosophy. I like where we're going. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was my thoughts on my favorite two, uh, picks that the 49ers got, man. What? What do, you, what do you feel or how do you feel about, you know, where they got Dante Pettis trading up in the second round there? A lot of people thought that potentially, you know, he, he was taken a little bit too early. What, what do you think about, you know, the way they got Dante Pettis there in the second round? Well, see, the thing is we had a extra third round to go ahead and make that move. So, I mean, it, it despite what mock drafts say, and, and, and I said that in the first episode, it's always different on draft day. You know, teams hear and, and know things that the fans and the outside media don't know. So there must have been somebody looking at Dante Pettis and, and, and putting it out there, and the Niners had to make a move. You know, we had that extra third, so we go ahead and move up. I mean, yeah, it, it could be a reach, but it also could be a blessing and, and, and could be a steal that a lot of teams don't know. So, I mean, the unknown is out there. But, uh, I, you know, it's not like the 49ers gave up a second-round pick next year, you know, and, and gave up a bit. We had an extra third that we were able to burn, and, you know, we can move on with that. So that, that's how I feel about it. I, I, didn't, I didn't take that approach that we, uh, uh, you know, spent too much on this guy. You know, it, it wasn't – I don't think it, that was the case. Yeah, I mean, th those were our top two picks there, uh, you know. Niner fans, I don't really know if Niner fans know how to feel about those top two picks. I think a lot of Niner fans were torn. Um, but you look at it, Dante Pettis is a guy that fits the Kyle Shanahan profile. He's a route runner. He can create separation. And the, the one thing that st you know, stands out in his game is he's an excellent punt returner. He, he you know, broke the, the NCAA record with nine all-time you know, return touchdowns. I mean, he, he's a guy that, that uh, is explosive and – you know, having him on this roster as a returner is going to allow Trent Taylor to, uh, you know, relinquish those duties as the returner and, and focus full time as the inside slot guy. I'm sure Dante Pettis will get reps there as well, uh, but he can also play outside. But uh, bringing in Pettis allows Trent Taylor to, you know, focus more on being solely a, a wide receiver. So I, I understand the pick with Dante Pettis. Uh, the thing that uh, also kind of stood out to me, we, we traded up in the second round. We had some more glaring needs than a wide receiver with that pick. Um, 
cornerback specifically was kind of where I was looking in that round. I know that JP and I both were enamored with Isaiah Oliver, the cornerback out of Colorado. And when we traded up to select Pettis, Oliver was still on the board. So, you know, that's kind of who I was hoping we were going to snag at that point, especially trading up like that with all the hype that Oliver has gotten, you know, heading into the draft. And we go ahead and we select Dante Pettis. It's, you know, it wasn't really a need. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I, I feel like Kyle Shanahan is going to use him to the best of his ability. And, and anytime that we, re- you know, select a receiver or a skill player, I have full confidence that Kyle Shanahan doing the right thing. But, I, you know, I felt like, you know, we had needs that we needed to address, and we didn't necessarily do that early on in the draft. But, JP, um, one, one second. Before we get to JP, um, just a quick question about that. Uh, Oliver, and I, liked, I like him a lot. I, I, I do. And you're right. We did have a glaring need. Um, but what was the reason why, you know, teams were passing on him in that second round? Because I thought Oliver was going to move up uh, – going to go early in the second well what's your thoughts on that you know that's that's a really interesting question he did end up going uh in the middle of the round to the atlanta falcons who is also a perfect scheme fit for him because they run a similar defense to what we run their head coach is from that seattle coaching tree with that cover three defense so i feel like isaiah oliver is going to flourish down there in atlanta uh as far as why he slipped you know I'm, i'm not entirely sure there was a run on receivers kind of middle of the second round. So I'm thinking that could potentially be why he slipped because, you know, once you, once you select one position and, and guys start kind of running off the board, teams kind of panic and they start, you know, you know, selecting guys that, that a certain position can just go like that. And in the second round, you saw a lot of, a lot of wide receivers coming off the board. So I feel like that could potentially be why Isaiah Oliver slipped. Um, but even so, I feel like he fell into a really good, you know, situation with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, and you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that's that's kind of the answer to what you're looking for there, Tone. Um, with that though, I know that my boy Frisco over here had a couple of picks that he enjoyed with this year's NFL draft. So JP, man, let the faithful know what you thought about a couple of our of our other draft picks. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was a uh, like like you guys were touching on. It's a bit of a lackluster uh, draft. Nothing real flashy, uh, especially with a first pick. Um, just to touch on on real quick before I get into a couple of picks that I like uh, real quick to finish off this Pettis um, uh, pick in the second round. Um, first off, Kyle Shanahan has said before. I mean, if you look back at Atlanta, Kyle Shanahan has always had small, shifty, quick wide receivers. And 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 I think it's been known that he's been he's he doesn't like those big bodied tall wide receivers. Yes, he did have Julio Jones um, in Atlanta, but you know tossing it up to uh, a big bodied wide receiver in the red zone he, to him he thinks there's there's less probability of of scoring. He likes small shifty receivers who can get open um, it down there in the goal line. Um, and you saw you saw it this year when when we we're down in the goal line. Um, when we had Jimmy G and well, even, even before we had Jimmy G, you saw Trent Taylor getting open. Uh, you saw, you know, uh, Goodwin doing those short, you know, uh, slant routes to get open inside the red zone. So um, I, I, at first I was a little iffy. Yes, we did trade it up. Like JD was saying, I was hoping that Oliver, Oliver was still on the board when we traded up, but we didn't, we didn't take him. But um, I understand the pick. Um, 
and and we'll just have to wait and see if he pans out. Um, yes, it does. And, you know, he he's a good uh, punt returner, so it, it frees up uh, Trent Taylor. But it, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, we drafted a couple of those shifty wide receivers uh, to compete with Trent Taylor, so we'll see how we'll see how that goes. But um, but yeah, a couple of picks that I liked um, later on in the draft, kind of in the middle of the draft, uh, our third round pick, Fred Warner, the linebacker out of LS or excuse me, out of BYU. Um, kid's a stud. Uh, he's played. He played all four years um, at, at BYU, um, and and he looks good. He's one of those quick linebackers. A lot of people. He's he's real thin. A lot of people compare him to like a, like a safety type, um, but he's quick. He plays downhill. Um, you know, I think he does need to add if he, if he is going to play linebacker for us, or or it could be a depth position. You know what I mean? Um, again, we don't know what's going on with Ruben and and. Uh, and and whatnot, um, which I'm sure we'll get to it later on in the podcast. But um, regardless, it's it's good for depth. But if if he is going to be playing that linebacker position, he needs to add on some pounds, um, add some girth to him. But regardless, he's he he's fast. He he plays really really well, and he he can cover too. Like I'm saying, he's that safety type. Um, the past two years, he's had you know uh, ten to pass defenses. Um, and, and you know, and I, I think he can play. He's, his his interception total went up in the past uh, his last two years in college. Um, you know, and uh, and he's a tackling machine as well, especially when you can get side to side. You know, if he could really play to his potential, and you can have Ruben, who I mean, you guys saw last year how how much of a beast he was running sideline to sideline, and he's just quick. If you can have those two guys; those linebackers are going to be you know hell of a time. Um, another guy that I really liked. Um, which was later on um, that we picked in the fifth round, uh, 142 overall, was DJ Reed, the cornerback out of Kansas State. This was like the very first, uh, um, you know, corner that we uh, drafted. I know earlier we drafted uh, Tavares Moore, who some people say he's a, he's a corner. Uh, he played safety in college, um, so we, not really a, a definite corner, but this is the very first corner we took in the draft. Thought it was a little late. I don't know why we waited this long to, to take a corner. Like I was saying, you know, we, we should have took one earlier. JD was making reference to that. But I think I think we got a, a good guy over here, DJ DJ Reed. Um, he's real confident. He's 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 a beast. Uh, he played two years in Kansas State, um, but uh, he's 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 quick. Uh, he also returns kick kickoffs. So, that, you know, there could be some competition there for punt returns. Uh, and kickoff returns and, and whatnot. So, um, so yeah. But no, he's 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 great. He's had you know he's a, he's a ball hawk. He's a playmaker. Uh, he's had you know four interceptions last year. He had a uh, you know ten pass breakups. So um, he, he, you know caused a few fumbles as well last year. And it was kind of funny. I was reading some articles that uh, after he got drafted, he was on the on, on the call with with the media, and uh, John Lynch walked into the media room. And DJ Reed was explaining to the media how how he's confident, how he's a playmaker. And John Lynch overheard that, and he he just chimed in. He's like, "Yep, that's right. He's a playmaker. That's why we drafted him." So um, to see our GM excited about a pick like that, and to see to see the confidence oozing from, especially a fifth round pick like that, you don't you don't really see that too often. Um, how you know how these these DBs, you know, all DBs and, and corners in the NFL are. Are, uh, are flashy and, and a lot of them compare him to divas, but to, to see someone like this and say he's he's uh, he's, he's a confident um, 
corner. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, especially, you know, you got you got confident guys on on the team already. I mean, uh, Adrian Colbert, he's as confident as they come. I mean, look at look at the um, Richard Sherman. He's gonna he's gonna you know <laughs> he's one of the most confident got confident corners in the NFL. So um, so it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun seeing seeing DJ Reed be you know with this DB group and and Fred Warner. I thought I thought those were my two favorite picks in in this draft. Um, there's a couple more, but those those two guys really stood out to me. Um, JD, what you you have some thoughts on some uh, some later later picks in the draft? Uh, let us know. Yeah, I, I you know I will hear in one second, but I just wanted to ask you one thing, JP. Um, you mentioned DJ Reed as as one of your favorite picks. He's actually a smaller guy. He's five nine. He figures to be a nickel corner on this team. Uh, you you mentioned briefly. You know, Traverius Moore there in the third round. He's a safety, uh, you know, in college who was 6'2", ran a 4'3". So I think that's why they kind of fell in love with him and they and they want to convert him to corner. But um, how do you feel about, you know, the only pure corner that this team drafted was 5'9". Uh, you know, Traverius Moore, of course, he has all the measurables that the team looks for for an outside corner. But again, he played safety. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, the only corner, pure corner that we drafted was a nickel guy. How do you feel about, you know, the team addressing the cornerback position that way in the draft? No, yeah, I, I, I saw that when we first drafted him. He's, he's a short corner. Um, but, you know, I, I, think, I think the way he plays, uh, he, his, his wingspan is, is, is pretty long. So I think the way he plays and, and uh, I think he'll be all right. He's a ball hawk as well. So, um, you know, especially in the nickel corn and nickel, I don't think he's going to be going up against, you know, big, big time wide receivers. He may, I'm, I'm not saying he won't, but, um, he's physical as well. So hopefully that his, his physicalness, uh, his wingspan, um, and ball hawk ability, hopefully that can make up for his height. Um, I guess that's the only real knock on him, but you know, like I said, like I said previously, I think, you know, he's, he's around the right guys to, to make it happen. So, um, I'm just excited to see. I think any DB, uh, any promising DB going into this DB, uh, what we have, DB teams that we have, I think it's just, I think it's, it's exciting to see what, what, what can come, especially with Sherman, who's, who's a veteran who can, you know, uh, nourish any type of corner into, into being what, what, you know, what they really can be. So, uh, yeah, he's short, but well, I think time will tell. I think he's physical enough that he can, he can play in the NFL and, and, uh, and match up against some people. Yeah, and he, you know, he's definitely got that that short man complex. You know, he he has all the confidence in the world. And uh, as far as cornerbacks go, I love me a cocky cornerback. So, you know, if he if his play can match up to his mouth, he uh, should be a solid pick for the Niners uh, from this draft for sure. Uh, now, as far as uh, the picks that stood out to me in this year's draft, my favorite pick was our last pick. You know, after all the other selections we made. All the hours of sitting there watching the draft, it took us, you know, getting all the way until the seventh round for me to really just have a smile on my face with the guy that we selected. And that would be wide receiver Richie James out of Middle Tennessee, the, uh, the guy we were, you know, selected in the seventh round. This guy, to me, and I'm just going to throw it out there, and I don't use this lightly, Richie James reminds me of Steve Smith Sr., He's a smaller guy, 5'10", 185 pounds, but he is not afraid of making contested catches. He'll go over the middle. 
he'll 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 do it all. He he'll do whatever you ask of him. And he is this ultimate competitor. He has this chip on his shoulder, and you can see it when he plays. He is not afraid of contact whatsoever. He will sacrifice his body to make whatever kind of catch you need him to make. And he just has this 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 anger in him when he plays. He's he's a physical guy, and he reminds me of Steve Smith Sr. And you know, if you're telling me that we got the next Steve Smith in the seventh round of this year's draft, I think that'll make any Niner fan happy. Uh, the, the things that stood out to me about Richie James, he caught a pass in all 31 games he played at the collegiate level. He also played quarterback at the end of his sophomore year due to injuries on the team, uh, you know, after being a quarterback in high school. So obviously he's a versatile guy, and we all know how Kyle Shanahan feels about guys that can do more than one thing. So Richie James could end up being, you know, a gadget player. We could we could throw, uh, you know, some some you know trick plays with him and have him throw the ball down the field. You don't know. Richie James is a versatile guy. Uh, he played at Middle Tennessee, so obviously the level of competition that he played against, uh, you know, wasn't always the best. But during his collegiate career, he played against SEC competition five times, and in those five games, he had 47 receptions for 614 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that's that's 95 yards a game against top-level SEC competition, and we all know that the SEC generates more NFL guys every year than any, any other conference. So Richie James, you know, under the bright lights, under the pressure of playing against top-level competition, absolutely balled out. Uh, last year, he played against two, you know, uh, Power 5 conference, you know, level teams in Vanderbilt and Syracuse, and against Vanderbilt, he had 10 receptions for 112 yards and a touchdown. And against Syracuse, he recorded eight receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. I mean, Richie James, to me, is a big game player. He's a guy that, that wants the ball in his hands and does not shy away from the spotlight, does not shy away from contact. Um, the only thing with him is he's been a little bit fragile, and that might be due to his size. Uh, earlier on in his collegiate career, he battled through an ankle injury, and last year he broke his collarbone against Marshall. Uh, but that injury did not require surgery, and supposedly he's fully healed. So Richie James, to me, though, as long as he can stay healthy, maybe put on a little bit more muscle, I think he's absolutely going to make this roster when it's all said and done. He fits, you know, again, the mold of a Kyle Shanahan receiver, a guy that can create separation, has great hands. You know, I, I love the pick. When we put, when we took him with that seventh-round pick, I was absolutely just ecstatic. Uh, if you, if anybody saw my draft reaction videos on my YouTube channel, Hawk Hater TV, you saw that I was just thrilled when we took this kid. So Richie James was was easily my favorite pick that the Niners made this year in in the draft. Uh, additionally, and this is a guy who I feel like could uh, you know make the team as well. And and this is a guy who was an undrafted free agent that we picked up yesterday. Tavares McFadden, cornerback out of Florida. He's 6'2", 204 pounds, with 32.5-inch arms. He fits the mold of an outside corner in Robert Sala's scheme to a T. Uh, he's big, he's long, but the only thing with McFadden, which you know could potentially be the reason why he slipped uh, you know, out of the draft, is that he's a slower guy. He's not the quickest dude, he's not the fastest dude. His 40-yard dash of the combine clocked in at 4.67. Only two of the 56 cornerbacks and safeties at the Combine were slower than him. So he's not the fastest guy. But, you know, was Richard Sherman the fastest guy? Who knows? But McFadden was projected to be a fifth-round pick. 
we get him as an undrafted free agent. And on this team, you know, they are not shy. They, they don't shy away from taking undrafted free agents and, and making them into something. Matt Breida, as a running back last year, undrafted free agent, saw significant playing time on this team. Uh, Cole Hicatini, uh, an undrafted rookie tight end that we had a year ago, he didn't get a ton of playing time, if any, um, but he's on the roster, and they like what they see from him. And also, uh, we had one other undrafted free agent, uh, Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver, who obviously showed flashes and figures to be a part of the wide receiver group this year as well. So this team is not shy away from undrafted free agents. You know, a lot of times those aren't, you know, the sexiest players in the world. You think, oh, undrafted free agent, whatever, they're going to get cut in training camp. Eh, I don't know. But on this team, undrafted free agents are given every opportunity to make their mark. And uh, Tavares McFadden will certainly have his opportunity, uh, you know, in the cornerback depth chart. So those are the guys that really stood out to me with this draft. And, uh, you know, I, I'm anxious to see kind of what they do. Uh, with that, you know, I think we're going to move on to second down here and get into uh, some other things that happened over the draft day weekend. All right, guys. In addition to the NFL draft, there was some news and notes that happened with the Niners as well that are definitely notable. Uh, first being the trade of right tackle Trent Brown. Uh, after the day one of the NFL draft, when we selected Mike McGlinchey, a lot of Niner fans were scratching their heads because we still had Trent Brown on the roster. You know, he's been the right tackle. He's, he's been a guy who's played really well as a seventh round pick. And, uh, you know, selecting Mike McGlinchey, you know, it kind of looked like maybe the writing was on the wall. Maybe, you know, they had something in the works for Trent Brown. And leading into day two of the draft, that's exactly what happened. The Niners traded Trent Brown to the New England Patriots for a third-round pick, and that caught a lot of Niners fans by surprise. And, you know, Trent Brown's been a guy who's played really well. Uh, you know, he, he's an excellent pass blocker, but with, with Trent Brown, you, you do have some issues. He's been a bigger guy. He, he's always kind of struggled to, to keep his weight down and stay in shape. Wasn't the excellent, you know, the most excellent run blocker because of his size and some think that he didn't necessarily fit the zone blocking scheme that Kyle Shanahan likes to employ. Uh, so I can understand why we traded Trent Brown to the New England Patriots, especially after selecting Mike McGlinchey, a guy who fits the zone blocking scheme, you know, really well. Uh, additionally, there was another move that uh, stood out to me, and that was the the two year contract extension given to safety Jaquaski Tart. Tart's been a guy who has shown flashes, you know, during his time on this team. He's a big safety. He, he can, you know, do it all for you. You can cover. He can hit. He, he can do it all. And to see him be rewarded with a two-year contract extension really, really caught my eye. I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad they got it done. And, uh, you know, I'm anxious to see what, what Tart can do. He's been a guy, you know, he broke his forearm last year and, and missed significant time. So let's hope that he can stay healthy and earn that, that extension. I, I would imagine that the team is pleased with his rehab and they're pleased with him overall as a person and a player. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given him that contract extension. Uh, JP, Tone, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on, you know, the trade of Trent Brown and, and the, the deal given to Chikwiski Tart? Well, I, I was very uh, happy with the Tart move, but uh, I'll touch on Brown just real quick. Um, it surprised me. Uh, definitely, especially when we drafted McGlinchey, I, I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe after this year, I know Staley got a raise, but maybe after this year, 
Um, maybe Staley will be on the outside. Um, but they 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 had a whole nother plan. Um, they got someone that fits the Kyle Shanahan's uh, offensive line. Um, and they also, you know, like I said earlier, gave uh, the Patriots a, a, a very, very good tackle. Um, I really like Trent Brown. Um, I, I liked what he brought. And uh, another, you know, late round pick. That was a great find. But, uh, you know, like I said, we had that extra third uh, third round pick to play with. And, you know, we, we moved up to get uh, Pettis. But uh, anyways, Tart, always loved him, the size, the, the playmaking ability. Um, you know, that was a very good extension. Uh, but one thing I, I did uh, notice is, you know, with Jimmy Ward being hurt, you know, Tart, Tart getting a little banged up. Uh, you know, with this draft, we brought in more depth and, and, and more speed to this defense as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how the, the interchangeables, you know, how these players are going to be uh, played in certain situations. But, you know, Tart, we know is going to be starting, um, you know, with Colbert. And, uh, I mean, th that's going to be a, a great uh, safety tandem for us this year. Um, it's just he's got to stay healthy. Um, but I, I, to I totally like the extension. You know, we have the money to do it. You know, that philosophy of going ahead and, you know, if you have the money, you pay your players. And uh, I, I get it. I, I absolutely like it. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anything bad about it, anything that you can say, um, unless you just don't like uh, the player. But I, I think he's a hell of a player, and I've been a fan of his since we drafted him. Yeah, just to touch on this a little bit, um, I want to touch on on Trent Brown uh, real quick and 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 that trade. Um, so I, I think I think this is what the Niners were thinking. I think it was based on on a contract um, with Trent Brown. Um, so we we drafted Trent Brown in 2015 um, out of, out of Florida, and he in the seventh round. So he was on his rookie deal still. Still, so in 2015 he got he got paid out 435 thousand. 2016, he got paid 525. 2017, it was 615,000. This year, he was due almost two million dollars, um, and then his contract would end. Um, if he would have played out this year, and then next off season, if we would have signed him, he's he's an elite tackle in in this league, uh, especially a uh, pass blocking. He's he's one of you know at least top five, top ten pass blocking uh, tackles in the league. He's going to be due easy ten. Uh, to 12, uh, maybe more million dollars per year. Um, so the Niners decided to, to cut ties early to, to set, ship them off to uh, New England, get a third round pick back and get uh, McClinchy on a rookie deal. So I think this was strictly, uh, you know, a, a contract uh, move um, to, to save some money. And, and it was smart. Um, you know, just like you guys were saying, Trent Brown didn't really fit our our scheme. Uh, I think McGlinchey does that a lot more. Um, obviously, McGlinchey is not uh, as good as a, a pass blocker as as Trent Brown will be, uh, but he's a hell of a he's a hell of a uh, run blocker, and that's that's what we're looking for. So, I think that was one of the main uh, one of the main reasons I think that the Niners have done that to save some money. You got now a rookie who who is who fits our mold and um, you know and and will save us some money as well. So I think that's one of the main reasons um, to touch on Jaquiski Tart 
Hey man, you know, yes, he 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 hasn't he hasn't been healthy the, the three years that he's been with us, but when he is healthy, he produces. Um, you know, last year, it, one one thing that that his potential is, is is you know he can go through the roof. And one game that that pointed out to me was was week one last uh, last year um, versus the Panthers, where he made that crazy one handed interception. Um, it, it's just it, that's that's the type of potential that he has. Um, I would like, I, I really hope, you know, this upcoming year that he has, you know, a full season that he can play so we can see, really see what he is. And the NFL can actually see what he is um, as a safety. Um, but like I said, when he does play, he's 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 great. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll have to see his, his, you know, he hits well. Um, he's a great, he covers great. So um, We'll just have to wait and see. I thought it was well deserved. Um, I'm just, I'm just hoping that he can have a full, uh, full games, like a, a full season, and um, and we'll see, we'll see. But that's that's my thoughts on those two topics, uh, JD. You, you know, um, like I said earlier, the McGlinchey selection had me scratching my head when we, uh, you know, when we made it because we still had Trent Brown on the roster, but you have to trust. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and the next day they made the right move, shipped off Trent Brown, and now the McGlinchey selection makes a lot more sense, and I'm happy with it. Uh, and Tart, I feel like you're going to see you know, his best football moving forward. So I think the Niners did the right thing in locking him up. With that, though, uh, we're going to move on to third down now. And here on third down... We're going to wrap up our draft conversation with a hot-button topic that has a lot of Niner fans, you know, on edge a little bit. If you were watching this this draft and you paid attention to some of the guys that we selected, there was a couple picks that just screamed of Trent Baalke. And if you say that name, Trent Baalke, to a 49er fan, they might, you know, throw up. You know, Niner fans have a sour taste in their mouth with their old GM, Trent Baalke. Uh, and a couple of these picks that we made were very reminiscent of guys that Trent Baalke would have selected. So uh, the first one being Contavious Street, the defensive end out of NC State that we selected in the fourth round. Contavious Street is a guy who played opposite Bradley Chubb at NC State and was you know, originally projected to be a third-round pick. He's, he's a huge guy. He's strong as hell. I mean, he, he squatted 700 pounds in a video that's, you know, circulating around everywhere. Everyone's seen it. He, he's a guy, you know, he fits that edge position that we need. But Contavious Street tore his ACL in a workout with the New York Giants less than three weeks ago. And yet the Niners picked this guy in the fourth round. And, you know, with all the guys that the Trent Baalke selected over the years that were coming off torn ACLs and it did not pan out well, that pick has Niner fans, myself, and I'm sure JP and, and Tone, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. What the hell was John Lynch doing with that one? I mean, this guy isn't going to play this year, and, and this team has needs that, that, you know, we need guys that can play right away. And that Contavious Street pick, I, I'm not a fan. I'm just going to put it out there. Nothing personal against the dude, but picking a guy who tore his ACL less than three weeks ago is just, it's a joke. JP, what do you think about, you know, that Trent Balky esque move that we made? Yeah, man, I thought I was, 
I thought I was having a nightmare again. I thought I was sleeping and, and Trent Baalke was still our GM and we still had, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was, it wasn't a good pick. Uh, I, I don't like it. Uh, especially, you know, this, it, it, I guess you don't really know uh, the extent of the injury. I know he tore his ACL and it was three weeks ago, but you know, some people, you know, tear it worse. Some people, you know, they know the recovery time, but it was just, it's just a bad pick. It's, it's, it's not good. Um, and you know, he was on the same D line as as Chubb, and I think there was a couple other um, uh, defensive linemen on that line who got drafted pretty high as well. So, and, and this is this is my thought: when you have when you have a good offensive, or excuse me, when you have a good defensive line like like NC State did, does or did uh, when they had especially Chubb, who went you know I think to the Broncos at number four or five, really high in the draft. Um, it 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 makes the rest of the D line better. You know what I mean, and I think I think that Contavious Street, um, you know, hanged off the coattails of of some of the other people on that defensive line, and he he reaped the benefit of them. You know what I mean? He will probably see, he only probably saw one on one. Maybe he didn't even see. You know, maybe he didn't have nobody block. Maybe he had a, a running back trying to trying to block him. You know what I mean? So maybe that that was you know some of the um, that that's why he had some success in college. Um, and and the fact that he got hurt as well, it's just it's just I don't know. It's something that I I, I was very displeased of, um, and you know uh, I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see. Maybe you know wait this time next year when he is healthy, when he does come back, and he you know he enters in training camp next year uh, in OTAs, and, and hopefully he can come out and like you're saying, JD, he's a big strong uh, defensive lineman. Uh, maybe he can prove me wrong, but. Um, I just think, you know, the fact that he's been injured, uh, just recently got injured, and that he played on a really good uh, stacked defensive line um, that, you know, I think he was hanging off the coattails of some of those guys and wreaking some of their benefits. I don't I don't really see this being a really good pick for the Niners, but uh, I guess only time will tell. What do you think, Tom? Well, you know, when, when I heard we got straight, um, of course, the ACL thing was brought up, but just looking at the talent, I think um, I think he's he he could be a hell of a player. I, I like his size. I, I like I like his uh, demeanor on the field. Like you know, maybe JP, you were right about him being uh, piggybacking off uh, you know the rest of the D line, but you know it, they must see something in him. Um, uh, as far as talent goes, but it, 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 the question is, is why here and why right now in the fourth round, this is definitely more of a reach with this ACL injury than, than that second round pick with Pettis, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's, we're, I don't think the 49ers are strong enough to be red shirting, uh, these rookies, you know, it, it, this screams Trent Baalke all over again. But, you know, you have to give John Lynch the benefit of the doubt. Um, so maybe this will work out. But with, with this addition, you know, you know, moving well, we're going to move Solomon Thomas, you know, more on the inside on passing downs. You know, we go ahead and release Elvis Dumerville, you know, on paper it, that, that hurts, you know, because this guy is not even going to be on the field this year. So who's going to really set that pass rush for us on the edge? you know, the, the, this coming season, you know, I know this was a weak draft for the edge rushers, but 
I mean, we 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 needed more more. Uh, we needed better picks for our our, our D line, and uh, you know, I I don't see this one working. You know, this. I'm not saying it won't work out in the long run, but where we got this guy, I, I just. It, it, I think we could have got this guy later on. And uh, I, I don't think this the, this 49er team is good enough to be red-shirting guys. You know, we need everybody to contribute as soon as possible. And uh, But I don't know. It could be a steal, but for right now, it definitely leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And, uh, you know, I'm in agreement with, you know, pretty much the whole 49er fan base. It's This was just a uh, – this was a big reach, big reach. And, and it's just risky that we – possibly could have wasted a fourth round pick on this guy now you know if you look at who was on the board when the Niners selected Contavious Street that's what really got me a little bit angry we selected Street and a guy like Josh Sweat from Florida State was still available when we when we selected Street and he went you know a short time later to the Philadelphia Eagles Sweat was a guy who is more accomplished as a, as a pass rusher? Yet, you know, he had some injury concerns of his own. Uh, his, his knees have uh, some degenerative, uh, you know, defect in them, and and people are can you know wondering about his longevity in the NFL. But the one thing you didn't have to worry about with with Josh Sweat is he could play right away. You know, you knew that you're going to pick a guy, and he can come in and play. Street's not even going to play this year, so. When we selected Street, I was I was like, oh, just banging my head against the wall because I wanted Josh Sweat at that pick. And to see the Super Bowl champs take Josh Sweat a short time later, you know, a team that's done, you know, all the right things lately, obviously they won a ring this year, and they take the guy that I wanted, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, another injury note from our draft we selected uh, Marcel Harris, the safety out of Florida, in the sixth round. He's a hard-hitting safety, one of the hardest hitters you know, in the draft at that position. Uh, but he's a guy who missed the entire 2017 season due to an Achilles tear. Now, he could very well be ready to go by the start of this year. Uh, but, you know, Achilles injuries are, are no joke. You don't know how he's going to come back from that. You know, he's a young guy, so potentially he could fully heal and everything will be fine. But oftentimes with Achilles injuries, players don't come back, uh, you know, the same. They're not quite as fast as they were. They're not quite as quick quick twitch, you know, as they were. So this team took a couple of, uh, of red flag picks, in my opinion, with, with the injury concerns. And it just it screams of Trent Baalke. And Niner fans, you know, coming off last year's draft, I think they were really surprised with the approach that John Lynch and company took with a few of these picks, the, you know, those two specifically. So we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, you know, they're the ones making the picks. They're the ones who who, who know the impact that these picks are going to make, and, and they're looking at things long term. So a year from now, we could totally change our tune on Contavia Street and Marcel Harris. They could be contributors for this team. We'll have to wait and see, but I think that is the part that rubs Niner fans the wrong way, is that we needed guys that can come in and make an impact immediately. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to wait and see with these guys, and I think that's that's the tough part. So with that, that'll wrap up our draft conversation here on this week's podcast. And uh, 
we're going to move on to our fourth and final down. You guys know what time it is. Usually on fourth down, we get into, uh, you know, questions from the faithful via Twitter and Facebook and what have you. But this week, you know, I think we're going to we're gonna go a little bit of a, of a different direction. Uh, you know, the one, the one theme to this podcast is every single week we have to talk about Reuben Foster. And, it, you know, the day before the draft, the news broke that Reuben Foster's girlfriend is recanting her allegations of domestic violence against Reuben Foster. Tone, you were the one that told me about this. I was away from my phone. I wasn't checking Twitter or anything. And, and you give me a phone call and say, J.D., did you see what happened? I'm like, no, what's what's going on? You said, dude, Ruben's Foster's girlfriend, you know, is backtracking her whole story and saying she lied and made it up. My jaw hit the floor, man. You, you, you broke that news to me. And I was just like, wow, like really? After all this, she's the day before the draft, she comes out and admits that she made the whole thing up. The, the timing is definitely interesting. You know, right before the draft, I, I would have to say that was probably planned. And, uh, you know, it, it brings a whole new set of developments to this thing. She said she lied. You know, she's not going to, you know, pursue anything further. But the, the district attorney is still going to pursue, you know, prosecuting Reuben Foster in this thing. And that's going to, you know, start up here this early this next week. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with, with his girl recanting her statement and, and not wanting to, you know, pursue this any further – I don't see how anything could come of it. She also put out the, the, the story that she sustained her injuries from uh, fighting a, another woman at a gas station, and there's security cam footage to prove it. She can prove that that's how she sustained the injuries, and she can prove that Ruben never touched her. So after all this, here we are. You know, We'll see what happens. I personally can't see how a jury can convict Ruben of anything with, with with this, you know, floating out there now, JP, what did you think when you heard these developments, and 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 what are your thoughts on on this whole just situation? Well, the saga continues, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, man, it's 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 crazy. I thought I, when I first you know heard the news, I thought okay, exactly my what I thought last podcast was, you know, Ruben Foster paid her off tell her to shut up or, or, you know, tell her to say that everything was false. And that, that's what I, that's what I first thought. My first initial thought, uh, I dug a little deeper. I, I looked a little bit more into it. And just like you said, JD, I, uh, you know, there's, there's security cam footage of her getting into a fight at a gas station, uh, with another woman. Um, and you know, maybe that's where she ruptured her eardrum. Maybe that's where she got hit eight to 10 times in the head. Um, maybe it wasn't Ruben. You know what I mean? And that's and that's what she's saying. Um, she's saying that Ruben never hit her um, and, and she made this all up. Now, yeah, like you said, the D.A. is still going to pursue uh, this trial. It's still going to go on, um, which which is it's kind of weird. I'm not sure why <laughs> it's still going to go on. But uh, I think maybe uh, they're trying to uh, maybe allegate some uh, some, you know, some, pros- you know, to prosecute the, 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 the lady for lying to a public official. Um, maybe, maybe that's the case. We don't know. Um, but as far as the whole story goes, that's, that's my interpretation that, you know, she got into a fight, she came back, uh, to Ruben 
to Ruben Foster's house, and 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 I guess they had a conversation. Ruben Foster wanted to cut ties with her, um, and basically, from what I've heard, she said, "Hey, I'm going to blame this all on you. I'm going to ruin your career uh, if you break up with me." And you know, girls with uh, with guys with a lot of money and who's high profile like Ruben, you know, stuff like this happens. So. Um, but who knows? Who really knows the backstory? Who really knows what's going on? Hey, if there is if there is footage of of this fight at the gas station and and it is released, then hey, you know maybe everything everything will be cool. But um, the fact that the the trial is still going to go on, I don't think that's a good look for for Ruben Foster. I feel that the NFL is going to look into it more, um, and they'll they'll probably come down with a suspension. Uh, I know it's fucked up, but that's that's just Roger Goodell. That's the NFL. I mean. Look at Ezekiel Elliott last year. Um, you know, look at Tom Brady. I mean, they, you know, I can go on for days. You know what I mean? So, um, so that's 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 another reason. Maybe you know that draft of uh, Fred Warner. It, you know, it could come into to, to fruition. Maybe he could start for you know a couple games if if Ruben is suspended. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, crazy situation. Crazy. That's that. What's going on? Uh, if everything that is being said in the media right now is true and Ruben didn't hit the girl, then a hey, more power to it. And another thing I do want to touch on uh, more power to the 49ers organization. You know what I mean? There was a bunch of people coming about out a bunch of media coming out saying, Hey, you need to cut this guy. He's a scumbag. Get rid of him. This Niners organization is, you know, housing criminals, this to that. And they stood their ground. They said, no, we're going to let the due process play out. And, they were right. I mean, you know, like they, I think they knew more than uh, what everyone else is, is saying um, before we knew this, you know, revelation with, with a girlfriend saying she's lying. So more power to the 49ers organization and, and the front office. So <clears throat> uh, Tone, what do you think of this whole crazy situation? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I had definitely a crazy situation. I have, uh, th- I mean, this story gets, weirder weirder and weirder every single day but uh you know like i said on the last podcast i threw out that possibility of she could lower uh have get lowered up for the simple fact that maybe she wants to protect herself because of these false accusations so turns out that's what it seems like is happening she's recanting um and she got the lawyer maybe to protect herself so you know, it, it, the, the 49ers needed to stand their ground, like you said, go ahead, let due process play out. And, and that's what that's what it should be. It's innocent until proven guilty. And, and, and you know, everybody just so quick to want to uh, prosecute someone and just make them guilty from Jump Street. I mean, it, it's just not it's not fair and, and it's just not right. And I'm glad the 49ers didn't fold under pressure from especially the Bay Area media um, and, and stood the ground and stood by their guy. And, you know, and the players are showing support. Um, you know, just Foster has to make better decisions on the positions he put himself in. He has to be a little bit smarter. You know, I mean, he still has the weapons charge. He still has the, the marijuana charge, even though, you know, I, you know, my personal feelings on marijuana. Um, but still, then again, you still got to obey the law and uh, the NFL rules. So, you know, he still is, he 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 has a chance. He's young enough to learn from the mistakes, and hopefully, he's not stubborn and hard headed like Alden Smith. 
I know he gets compared to that a lot. Um, and I, I think, you know, with the mentorship of a Richard Sherman coming to this uh, defense, um, you know, someone to show him the way and, and show him to, hey, you know, you have to be smarter. And, and I, I think Ruben Foster has a chance to do that. Uh, but, yeah, this story just gets weirder and weirder. You know, you got a fight at a gas station. You know, someone, you know, is telling you, oh, I'm going to ruin your career. Um, and then there's uh, the weapons charge. The, uh, I, I don't know. But it just sounds like that the 49ers are going to have their player, regardless if there's a suspension or not. Um, we're going to have our player. And uh, also the, the whole... Uh, charges you know they're still gonna go to trial but I, I would i don't know how exactly that works but i would think that eventually those would have to be dropped i don't know why the da is still uh pursuing this case um I, i'm not exactly sure on that you know I, i'm not a law major but i would think that eventually i mean that that they wouldn't have any ground to stand on if this is proven true and if there's if she can prove it which she says she can that I would think it would be thrown out. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm i just happy that, you know, he didn't hit her. Uh, I, I'm happy that, you know, we have uh, our, our player. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm also the, the most important thing that I'm happy about is it, it shows everybody, hey, innocent until proven guilty. Let the man have his day in court and let him defend himself. You know, stop going after these guys and just making them guilty just because you see a headline that's not right. You know, this guy's life could have been ruined, completely ruined. And with today's society, with, with, with the media, the, the, you know, the Twitters, the, the, the Facebooks and everything's everything. So instant, you know, everybody just sees a headline and they, they, they got the pitchforks out and they're ready to, you know, get this guy and, and it's just it's not right so you know props to the 49ers you know standing the ground and uh you know we all in agreement with that that's what should have happened and and uh you know i i'm just happy that it, it shoves it in the faces of people that that just don't give a guy his chance so innocent till proven guilty and uh i'm just really happy about it all right guys well there we have it it has been an eventful few days in the world of the San Francisco 49ers with the Reuben Foster situation. A couple of uh, transactions with the trade of Trent Brown and the contract extension of Jaquaski Tart, and of course the NFL draft. Uh, a lot that you know, a lot that we got into in this episode, and uh, we want to hear from the faithful. So, if you have any questions, anything you want to comment on, please interact with us via our social media at facebook.com slash forever faithful podcast or on twitter at twitter.com slash ff podcast 49 you can ask us anything and, and we'll address it here on, on the next episode uh with that guys i think that about wraps it up uh you know another another fun podcast as always uh and uh i'm looking forward to you know getting into more more news and notes here in, in the coming weeks and of course, we're, we're approaching the, you know, kind of the dog days before the start of, of training camp and preseason and the like. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see what, what kind of transpires here. We'll, of course, we'll cover the latest in the Reuben Foster situation and, and 
whatever else comes up, whatever else you know that, that is out there in the world of the Niners, we're going to talk about it here on the Forever Faithful podcast. Uh, JP, Tone, if you guys don't have any final words, I, I think we can wrap it up. Yeah, I think we're good, man. I think this is a great podcast. We covered the draft. Uh, we covered some uh, some trades that went on. And, uh, and of course, like always, we have uh, the Ruben down that we always talk about, Ruben Foster. So that was good. Everybody uh, go check out our social media. Send us some questions. And, uh, yeah, man, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great podcast with you guys, as always. Um, couldn't have a better team, a better co-host, and uh, – you know, better uh, co-founders, you know, I, I really appreciate you guys. And, um, yeah, I, you know, come hit us up, um, you know, hit us up on our, uh, on the, the Twitter, uh, Facebook, like JD was saying, interact with us. Uh, we got plenty of ideas coming together into fruition that we're going to uh, release to you guys, you know, because we want to be interactive. We want everybody to interact with us. And uh, so, yeah, we got some plans in the work. Just, you know, keep posted on that. But for now, you know, hit us up, ask questions, um, you know, and, uh, you know, basically just check us out. Follow us, you know, spread the word. And, you know, we're here for you guys. You know, we're, just, you know, for the faithful, by the faithful. And, and that's what we're all about. We're, we're just a couple of guys who sit here and press record and just show our passion for the love of our team. and. You know, and they, we just want to share that to the world. So, you know, just go ahead and follow, uh, follow us, hit us up. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I, I thought it was a great podcast, guys. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Forever Faithful Podcast. I'm JD. That was 49er Tone. And that was JP, also known as Frisco. And we are the Forever Faithful Podcast for the faithful by the faithful and as always you know what it is it's one team one family and one goal